we're gonna have to work with it. And it doesn't, it doesn't really fuck up the show because whenever you guys are just like, oh, you can't hear you guys, just edit it out. So, okay. Anything can be gone. It's all magic. We're all just temporary vibrations on this cosmic plane. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> in a way, depressing. But in a way, enlightening. Enlightening, beautiful. Have you guys seen the DWAC? The what? Oh, the yeah, DWAC. DWAC? D W A C? No. It's, it's so stupid. It's, He's the best scammer to ever scam. It's the what? He's the best scammer to ever scam. <laughs> America, the home of the con and the scam. He's the greatest to ever do it. Um, let's see. I can do that. It's a now. social media acquisition company. How does that even sound how are you going to invest in... <laughs> There's been three social medias that have made it in the last 20... Since they've been existed. I don't know. Maybe he'll invest in Ophelia. Hey. Stockwise is a social media company. Uh, yeah, but that's not all we are. <laughs> We have a social application to our tool. Uh, DWAC doesn't even have a um, what is it called? Like they don't have a a product yet, right? No, it's a SPAC. Yeah. yeah, it's just a holding company. But it is a good investment when it was ten bucks because a SPAC with floor price is around ten bucks anyway. So yeah, he could have made some money on it. I don't know though. Maybe I'm just don't like Donald Trump. I don't, but <laughs> I, I just I don't. I think I saw it around like twenty four bucks, but I didn't have any money in my uh, portfolio to put it in. <laughs> No, it went up like hundreds of percent the first day, right? Yeah. It hit 131 at some point. Now it's 63. Probably it's never a... goes back to. I'm sorry, what? Probably never goes back to 100. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm just trying to pull up your your template for today's episode, Skyler. So we have intro, five minutes, how our trades went this week, talk about overall market, 10, uh, 10 minutes, then pick of the week. We're all picking a crypto, right? Oh, it's the plan. So I'm kind of breaking the rules on that. Yeah, something else? Um, oh, it's a crypto. Okay. But it's a stock. <laughs> a stock crypto. Do you mind, sir? <laughs> Hello.
Hello everyone and welcome to another wonderful episode of To The Moon Podcast hosted by myself, Zach, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host. Oh, my name is Dweezer. And I'm Skyler Williams. Perfect. Alright, Skyler, say the catchphrase. Say it. And let's get into this. Perfect. Uh, I missed it last week. Wait, let me guess. Is it Mara? No. It's it's a stock that is... Uh, that's... Oh, it's Bitto, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, because I, I am actually long on it overall. Um, Are you long in it right now, though? Um, I've been looking at it. I'd never, like, jump right in if I'm unsure. Like, there's a few... IPOs that I knew would jump up right away, like, um, what is it? Uh, Bumble. I knew that one would be a good IPO. Um, Dutch Bros. Bumble. I didn't. I was moving, so I didn't have any expendable money because I had to pay for the move. And then Dutch Bros. I thought I had my dates wrong for the oh. IPO. <laughs> um. <laughs> And it was like four days after IPO because then I saw that Dutch Bros IPO'd and I had written it down in my notes like Dutch IPO make sure I have my Robinhood money in time because I was like I got paid two days before I thought it IPO'd so I was going to be like just know, in time get paid transfer money into Robinhood buy the Dutch Bros IPO and be all happy and then I wake up the next day and it's like Dutch Bros IPO soars and I'm like wait what <laughs> Oops. I honestly yeah. thought after it IPO it would go down, but it it haven't. No, I and I think that is only gonna be a stronger buy as like just seeing the company and how they've grown and how like their culture people wanna work for them. <laughs> people don't wanna work for a lot of these other companies you know um and they're really huge on culture so i think they'll be able to i think they'll be able to like like so where i live there's a worker shortage and um the starbucks near us sometimes they're closed because they don't have workers yes they're like like we're closed and that's starbucks you know it's a huge you know you wouldn't think starbucks wouldn't be able to find workers but they've struggled with it dutch bros always open and always overstaffed they're not they're ne- i've never seen them struggling with staffing because people want to work there like oh. people generally want to work there um and they pay okay um mm-hmm. you know i think starbucks is too strict on their employee or maybe yeah, Starbucks, like, because one of the workers there, um, she was talking to someone else in line and was just like, oh, I like your mask. And she's like, oh, yeah, I used to have a mask like that, but I can't wear Starbucks says I can only wear a black or gray mask now, you know, yeah. solid color. And Dutch Bros, they don't care. Yeah, I think <laughs> with you have to whatever do that you want. Clothes as well. Yeah. Um, so just those differences, you know, culture is really important. Um, Dust Rose understands that, and 
yeah, I think I think just giving them money will just be able for them to like improve what they already do and also expand into other stuff because like they don't even sell food yet. Like if they sell bagels, that would probably increase their profits like thirty percent just off of bagels. You know. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they don't. The logistics. The logistic of, like, I mean, it seems easy enough. They're already making coffee and other things. I mean, adding a couple easy pastry doesn't seem too difficult. Well, they see they do have something. they do have some pastries now, um, like prepackaged but, pastry. Maybe that way it's even easier. Yeah, they're like muffin top thing, but you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it because they're really small locations so you can't have like a huge oven and kitchen and all that type of stuff you have to do it in a way that makes sense and then where you can have everything stocked it's definitely a big logistical you know yeah but now they have the money to tackle it Mm -hmm. you guys make any trade recently or any Interesting uptrend for your pre like existing holding, I guess. Um, I made a couple of trades at the end of the week last week. They were both duds, and I haven't set any time aside to trade since then. Is it in paper trading? Because I know you mentioned paper trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And you said they were they didn't do well. They did not work. Ah. Uh... What was it? Did you mind me asking? <laughs> um, I don't know. There were two scalps. I think Microsoft and I don't know the other one. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I broke down kind of like my scalping side state trading strategy that I'm following along to you. But the idea is you take 10% of your portfolio. You put that into an options trade, and then you set a stop loss at 10 to 20% of that. So for each trade, in theory, you're only risking 1% to 2% of your portfolio. And, you know, you have – you. I'm kind of like taking these trades off like a couple indicators, EMA9, um, VWAP, and just price action. I have a bunch of like levels set where I know there's like significant price, and there's usually a reverse where it'll touch down and bounce off that line. So then like when I'm trading, I'll be, I'll like look through all my charts or like the stocks that I trade and I'll see what's close to um, a significant price level or like what's like just crossing EMA9 or VWAP or something. And I'll kind of use that. But the idea is once you get it down and you're, you're hitting more than you're losing, you know, you'll be profitable, and especially too if you are hitting like better trades that are going thirty to fifty percent. Um, because then you know, I mean, you could have one fifty percent trade, and then have two duds that go down twenty percent, and as long as you know you're putting the same amount into each trade, you'd still be up ten percent that day, right? Mm-hmm. And um. I really haven't like sat down and like traded as much as I'd like to or for as long. I just I don't really my schedule doesn't allow it. But I can always like go back to the day and check the charts 
and like see like oh that that would have been a, a signal for me to take a trade and I would have won or something you know so it's kind of like a cool way to like stay on top of the market and kind of be involved without uh having to like be in the market every day. Mm-hmm. So are you, so are you doing it every day then or are you? Pretty much. I mean, I check it every day. I don't always like. I'll either like usually be like, okay, because you know, again, I get home at like four or five in the morning. So I tried to do market open, and it's just not realistic for me because I might stay up all night and like just too tired, and I can't really yeah. focus and fall asleep. If I try to get two hours of sleep, I'm just I'm out of it, and I don't I can't trade well. So I'll trade at like. 11 to 1 or just power hour 12 to 1 and yeah i mean i I try to at least like one or two days a week like be like okay yep setting aside that morning to trade you know versus like doing some work for affiliates likewise whatever you working on i know you said you trade 10 percent or for sure example of your portfolio or something like that then yeah and then you set a stop loss of ten to twenty percent of that ten percent, right? So that's one to two percent of your entire portfolio. But I mean, like each trade, shouldn't you keep it the same amount? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So like, but then uh, if you make money, then next week, then yeah, yeah. Next so week you go you tier, more right? Money, right? So like, you have twenty five thousand, and I'm paying trade right now. So again, I'd say you have you're at PTD, you have twenty five thousand. So I would just keep it at $2,500 until I hit, you know, a a significant amount up, you know. Um, And, I mean, again, I've only been pricing this for, like, two months or so, and, like, I've seen my, uh, what do you call it, um, paper trade uh, account, you know. I actually, I blundered the strategy a couple times like trading on Fridays and, you know, options can be very volatile. So I think I had one trade specifically that like immediately shot me down like 6% of my portfolio, 60% of the 10% of that was supposed to be the trade, right? 60% of the 10%. Oh, okay. And that, you know, that was one trade. And again, it's like, that's why I'm paper trading. And so I'm still like just feeling the strategy out. But in theory, I mean, yeah, you make just, you'd move up. You could do it every hundred. You could do it every, um, you do it every 500, right? Uh, or, or, you know, you do it every 1,000, every 5,000. Oh, God. Just move the target every, like, every landmark, kind of. Yeah. I mean, well, just like that, like, how much you allocate to each trade um, just has to be, like, relatively the same amount because they're all, they're never going to, I mean, you don't have fractional shares of often contracts. So, you know, it's rare yeah. that they're all exactly the same. But you just keep them in that book. And are these mostly scalp or day trade, or is it? Yeah, these are all scalp and day trades. I have a couple wings in theory that I started on the 17th. Like, just, you know, I didn't even put them in my paper account, but I just wrote them down on my phone. Like, I would want to possibly swing these stocks. So, Zach, you said that you uh, were looking at a stock that is crypto related? Yeah. Um, so want to tell us a, then, tell us about it <laughs> yeah no let me just uh, pull it up real quick just mm-hmm. so I can um, 
So there's kind of this cool thing that happened is now there is a Bitcoin ETF. Um, kind of was in a lot of the news going on. Um, ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF. Um, some people call it BITO. Some people call it BITO. Um, B-I-T-O. And um, it's instantly gone down, which seems to be the trend for a lot of crypto stuff when they hit the... Um, or, yeah. <laughs> uh, it went up the, within like the first three days or something. Yeah, it went up and then went down. Um, yeah. But either way, you know, they've still raised a boatload of money. And what this ETF does is they are buying futures on Bitcoin. So you're just investing in um, Bitcoin futures, um, which, you know, basically means you're investing in Bitcoin in a very convoluted way. But I think this is a really good way to invest in Bitcoin if you're worried about liquidity and if you're worried about high price swings. Um, what do you mean worry about liquidity? So like, it's a lot easier to get your money out of Robinhood than it is out of any crypto wallet. Um, and that's just, just a fact, you know? You okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are issued, their issue with Bitcoin is like, okay, if I invest, you know, $15,000 in Bitcoin, what if I need that money? You know, what if an emergency pops up or, you know, like just what if I need that? Or if I want to trade something different? Um, this, this is just like a nice way to invest in cryptocurrency without dealing with some of the issues of cryptocurrency, but then you're also giving up a lot of the gains that you might get. Um, you know, with it's not exchange, be able... technically you don't have to worry about liquidity, right? If you use Coinbase yeah. or something. Um, even Coinbase has some liquidity issues. Um, they've gotten a lot better over the years. Um, but there, there has been times, not with Bitcoin so much, but with some of the smaller ones, there has been times when they've like slowed down. Um, you know, like your withdrawal times and stuff like that too. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. Um, another really cool thing that you can do with this is that I'm working on doing um, is putting it into my 401k, um, which is awesome because then you can have Bitcoin inside of your 401k. So if Bitcoin goes up, you're not paying any real taxes on that especially if you have like a Roth 401k mm -hmm. which is something that everyone should have um, and so I like the trend that's going because like the moment I can put Bitcoin into my Roth 401k that's exactly what I'm going to do uh -huh. I think there's a couple of different places where you can do that yeah uh, there is just not the one that my work uses <laughs> oh god yeah yeah uh, uh, but yes, so I like, how, I like. How does the price of this correlate to the price of Bitcoin? Like, I actually don't know. Like, if Bitcoin say go up five or go down five percent, how would this react? Like, does it actually correlate, or does it correlate two weeks later, or how would that actually work? Do you know? Or um, it will definitely react. Um, In correlation, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be some sort of correlation. Um. But it's not going to be as extreme, 
just like how the losses won't be as extreme with Bitcoin as well, too, you know. Um, and then we'll have to see the profits on it, because like I said, they're making money off of future contracts in Bitcoin. So we'll have to see how profitable they are with their futures and see kind of how that works out. And if it's a really profitable stock, then that will just inherently increase its value, which I think it will be, um, especially given like the current trend of Bitcoin. Um, I think they'll be able to make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my pick of the week. It's also Valkyrie share, which is uh, sort of the same thing. Yeah. But it's not getting in, uh, as much attention as B- Bito. ProShare is like one of the biggest um, yeah. ETFs, you in know. Top, top five, top six or something? Yeah, yeah. like Pro, ProShare's Vanguard. Um, BlackRock. BlackRock. One of you those can't. Yeah. yeah, I know like with my own 401k, I have a. Um, like pro shares emerging markets and Vanguard emerging markets, you know. Um, yeah, been happy with both of those too, which is nice. Yep. Yeah, I think I think the fees for this is like um, 0.95. That's still high, but then it's tracking crypto, which you know, which yeah, is understandable. Yeah, but the the other. One is should should be smaller. Yeah, but no, I think this is just a really safe place to like if you want to invest in crypto, but want your money to be a little bit safer, and are willing to give up some of that volatility. This is a great way. This is a this is a better way to invest in crypto than um, in Bitcoin. Then in Bitcoin, yeah, sorry, yeah. in Bitcoin. Then like just investing in Coinbase, you know. A lot of people saw Coinbase as a way to invest in crypto as a whole, kind of like treating it like a crypto ETF, mm-hmm. um, which isn't really the case at all. Um, True. It's just a separate company. Yeah. It's like it's Robinhood, just, but it's just doing a different um, commodity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think. You know, a good price target by the end of the year for it would be right around like fifty-five dollars, is what I would say. Fifty-five. Currently right. at thirty-eight. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, oh no, that in my calendar. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll see. <laughs> and yeah, if it's at twenty dollars, we won't bring it back up on the podcast. But if it's above fifty-five, <laughs> we will. What do you think, Skylar? Of the Bitcoin ETF? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really looked into it too much. I think it sounds good. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think, yeah, we still got to get those, like, basic questions. Like, you have to see, like, what, um, how does it really move in relation to Bitcoin? And, like, um, are the, you know, it, it's a Bitcoin ETF. Um so, like, are there other cryptocurrencies or other forms of Bitcoin tied into it as well? Like, a fund implies that there's multiple securities within it. So, that's kind of vague that it's just Bitcoin. Well, it's, it's Bitcoin futures. I oh, think okay. They just basically have different expiration date, right? Like, they, yeah. they're playing multiple 
They're all Bitcoin, but it's Bitcoin future expiring, say in June and then in September and then whatever, like each month or a different date or something, I'm assuming. Sure. And I and I would assume that they're hedging too a lot. You know in cash or like they're buying um like essentially like calls and puts. You think so? I would. I guess it's called Bitcoin strategy. So it's based on whoever worked at ProShare decided to call or put it, right? So I guess you're mm-hmm. investing in their decisions as well. Yeah. But they, they're going to hedge whatever bet that... Because they're, you know, a future you can call a future a bet and they're, they're going to hedge their bet. So yeah, that way there wouldn't be a huge loss. Mm-hmm. Which is probably another topic that we'll, we'll talk about later. Hedging? Yeah. A whole nother can of worms. <laughs> sure. What about you, Skylar? Right on. Um, you said I'll you get to my coin. We just we got we kind of split um topics pretty quickly. I was I was mentioning I had made some like paper swings and yeah. I just in my own head. And they're actually fucking going crazy right now. I called Tesla last not this most recent Sunday, but the Sunday before, 1017, when I was at 844. And I think you guys are well aware Tesla's over a thousand bucks. Um, yeah. Netflix at 630. Uh, uh, that one's only up, I think, like 10 bucks or so. Yeah, Netflix is at 668. So, like, you know, 30 bucks, not bad for a swing. I think Twitter's up 10 bucks. My Zoom one is up 10 bucks. And then I have is two this that in are your flat. paper account, or I didn't even put, I put these in my notes. I was just like I was doing some charting that Sunday, ten seventeen, and I was looking at these daily monthly charts, and I was like, yeah, these stocks look like they're ready to go up to me. And so I was just like putting it down in my notes just to like kind of track where I'm at, and maybe I need to start swinging because I called a couple bangers on that one. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> The thing but, with Tesla uh, is that trading is so expensive, especially in options. Yeah, exactly. That's that's been kind of my thing too, though. Is like I feel like you know you have to like cut like cut out your sandbox, you know, when trading. At least for me, because I'm a very like I like to have things where they're supposed to be. So I like sometimes like paper trading and shit. I was like, look, don't like don't like assume whenever I want to like really trade seriously, I have PDT right. Um, because that's going to, I think, in my opinion, that's going to set you up the most to, like, analyze the market. Um, Wait, what's PDT? Is that is that what you said? Yeah, I forget what it fucking stands for. But it's just, it's the, the, the lowest amount of money you can have to, like, day trade properly. So, um, $25,000. Yeah. So, um... No, like, and you just, I mean, I think, you know, you're doing yourself a little bit of disservice if you say, oh, well, I only have five grand, so let me not focus on these big cap stocks that are going to, um, I'm priced out of when I think you're, you're giving yourself a fuller knowledge of the market when you, like, just look at the whole thing and you're not, um. Oh, really? Yeah, in my opinion, yeah, why? I mean, if you're going to, like, if the idea is that we all, PDT stands for pattern day trader, right? So you can't be a pattern day trader without $25,000 in your account. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, like, 
if you're like practicing, like you only are going to have $5,000 for the rest of your life to trade with, then you'll hit a point where you have more than that and you have to start learning again, right? I think I would just start whenever I hit that mark, right? Because I'm looking at Tesla options right now and each option is like uh, 23, 18 to like 30,000. And I mean, that seems so hefty. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to afford that, but still, I mean, I think it's worthwhile that I can chart it. And I was like, I, I, I saw something, right? Like, even if I'm not trying to necessarily capitalize out on that right now, um, yeah, I think it's worthwhile to like chart everything. Well, and there's and other ways you could have made money on that. Like, you could have done a spread, and you still would have right. made money on Tesla. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like if you can track the patterns, then you can track. Anyways, fuck you you guys. Know. I called Tesla A forty four and it's up two hundred dollars. <laughs> so go that up. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So aggressive. Point, uh, a sushi, and I just picked it because honestly, like I don't know shit about crypto. I like that it's called sushi. The market cap is two billion. Are you talking about sushi's um, one? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one I picked up. I'm sure you have more to say about it than I do. Do we? Uh, well, if you know what Uniswap is, it's basically another version of that. But it, I think it allows like a lot more altcoins. Is from what I know. But yeah, that's as much as I know about it. You said you got into it, as in you used it, or like you bought some sushi token. Yeah, I fucking I have an FTX account. That's kind of what I do. In my like, that's what I'm holding in my like my crypto wallet, and I have nine bucks of sushi, whatever that means. <laughs> Why don't you expose yourself more? If you or you, you just kind of just wanna test out the waters or. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, been my thing with crypto since the jump is, like, I probably should be putting, like, a regular amount into it, right? Like, 10 bucks every month. But it's really just been, like, when I'm, like, thinking about it and I have time. So, like, I remember I told you guys last episode I was buying the Solana Burb. So I mm-hmm. had, like, you know, I actually... Do you have a phantom put, wallet and everything to get ready? Yeah, and, I, have, and I have a phantom wallet that has 100 Solana in it currently so i'm ready to go i haven't i have one cook group that has like a pretty good fucking um what do you call it a nfc calendar but um i just i haven't since since then since i talked to you guys i haven't really looked at nfts but then that same day i was your voice is getting cut off a little bit i don't know i don't know what the fuck i am I was fucking with, but I, I, I was like not doing the most efficient way to get uh, money into my Phantom. So like, I put like $100 into FTX, and then it was like, you can't trade it out into Solana. And then I was like, okay. And then I found a way to put. So, anyways, I did two different pauses of 100. So, this 100 that I have in FTX, I, like you can move it around in there. So, I just split it up between like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Sushi. Uh, die. Yeah, that's all of them that I have. Exploded. Wait, did you? You said you bought 
sushi just because it's that sushi is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> and Dai is a stable coin, is it not? It is a stable coin, yeah. Oh, okay. Which I didn't know that either. Oh, <laughs> I just googled it before we started this, and I was like, "Oh, geez, that's not gonna." And then yeah. Dogecoin too. I have some Dogecoin on there too. Just for the shits and giggles of having it, really. Mm-hmm. And you bought it I'm... on FTX, right? Yes. You can on ramp on there too. I tried to open an account, but I haven't never used it. On ramp, I don't know what that. Oh, is. As in, like you can deposit U.S. dollars in. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Zach. You were gonna say something. Oh no! I... No, I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> is that are you in any crypto project or? Um. Not currently. Um. I was, um, I don't know, I was debating about going into some uni swaps or pancake swaps or maybe even like the, doing some stuff with Luna, but I just haven't bitten the bullet yet on, on those type of subs, yeah. crypto play. Yeah, I kind of want to do it with like more money than I'm willing to put into it right now. So I'm just kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. I probably should just start printing in whatever monthly you know yeah oh uh, good question um what is it antonio was he on the podcast at some point i i listened to a podcast i'm not sure if that's antonio or not no no i think you're thinking the one that had jack on it yeah oh okay shout out to jack he was the one uh, oh passive in some song right yeah yeah oh let me tell you guys what the weirdest thing that happened to me yesterday. I was studying and I put on like uh, the study pay- playlist on Spotify. Right. And then yeah. this um, I picked up my phone and the song is called Bitcoin. And <laughs> the, the what is it? Let me find it. Sorry. Let me pull up the picture so I can. And then the uh, artist's name is Satoshi Nakamoto. And I was like, am I high or am I thinking way too much about crypto that things are just starting to look like? <laughs> because like, what the fuck? And actually, that song is called Bitcoin. And then this artist, they put, they have five songs and it's Bitcoin, one coin to rule them all, cold crypto, hyperprinting, and decentralization. And it's That's just low five beats. And I'm just like, what? I, like, at first, I swear, I thought I was like, I think I'm sick of this one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you've gone too it's far. Like, no, I, I feel like that's like the anecdotal cultural shit, though, that like really informs you, right? Like, there's artists making songs on Bitcoin. Like, that to me is significant. It's culturally yeah. significant. But is that a cell signal? <laughs> No, I think that's bullish. Tell bullish. Uh, so what what crypto coin are you looking at this week, Dewey? 
uh well what is it last week or uh almost two weeks ago like on the 18 i think i text you guys in the chat about a crypto i found it would and the name of it is called strong yeah strong coin yeah strong token yeah strong coin or strong token or something and i think how it works is uh you you're helping them provide nodes for different projects. For example, if you have an Ethereum-based project, then and you want your uh, and you have say an NFT launch, and you know that a lot of people are going to be on there, then you want to have extra node to support the network. Then you can go to Strong as an institution and buy nodes from them. I think that's how it works, and that's how they make money. Uh, but what you can do as a user is you can sp spend 10 strong as of right now, and you can buy, uh, uh, you can buy a node. Okay. So you're going to spend your 10 strong, your 10 strong is gone, but then mm -hmm. they, each node going to pay you 0 0.1 strong a day uh, every 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. So if the math works and then they haven't if they don't change the reward rate it would be after 100 days with one node you can make back 10 strong and then anything after that is profit right so you make your money back hmm. that's pretty good back. yeah 100 days but yeah but then your initial investment is gone like you already spent it you know what i mean yeah so it's a little risky there because the price of strong can fluctuate they could reduce the reward rate but 0 0.1 multiplied by 100 is 10, and you cost you 10 strong. So can you sell your node? Is there any value in you that? Cannot, there's no value in selling your nodes. So it's like buying a chicken and it lay eggs, and then you can sell the eggs, but you can't sell the chicken. Okay. Uh, and you oh. have to maintenance the node. So that's like $15, which is not a lot, but it's on Ethereum, so transaction fee. So that would make it around 50 bucks. So 50 bucks a month, but you can do it once every two months or three months or something. You can pay ahead, I think. So yeah, I got into that. And so hopefully in three months, I should be doing okay. Hopefully. Well, I will ask you, mark it in your calendar and let us know how it's going in three months. Sure. What about the coin um, entices you? What about the coin? Well, it seems to have a utility, right? So. Um, you're actually buying it to use it for something. Um, yeah, so I'm which, I'm which into, is which is to spend on the node, and you can okay. also use it to farm. Like a lot of other token, mm, you just buy it and then you just hope it goes up. But this is like a token where you, uh, you have that's a function, and also by providing nodes, you're helping the whole ecosystem or whatever project decide to work strong you know to okay but to be the fair the utility is to get more of this coin more or less for you for you okay yeah. but it helps but what like about having it, more what node it? for them yeah. it, it helped them make the network stronger basically right right yeah what's the difference me, in I'm just that kidding. and like PyCoin? what's the difference in that and PyCoin? Yeah, like what, like, and I mean, like specifically, like the technical aspect of it, right? Because both of them, 
give you the option to mine. It sounds like you get this thing called a node. What's the difference between the node and like my phone, like pressing mine on my phone? Uh, pressing mine on your phone is not a node, I don't think. You know, it does a node. There's an option on Pi where you can set up a node for Pi, and you can get pay more than just clicking a button. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's right. The so, laptop. Yeah, I tried doing that. So I so setting up a node is is definitely different. Were you able sense. to? No, I I, I did I enough didn't do it because I don't know it's too much technical information, <laughs> and I don't know I feel like I have enough people in my social circle. And also with Pi, as of right now, technically they're paying out a coin that doesn't exist yet, so the risk there is immense. But then also, and strong it, coin is a coin that exists. Yeah, it does. But the thing is, you have to spend it, right? You have to spend actual money to buy the strong coin. Mm -hmm. Where in so Pi, you don't have to cost yeah. anything as of now. Right, right. No, okay. So I mean, I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm curious because I know you're good at this shit, and I just I'm like, what? what really enticed you um because yeah i mean it doesn't it sounds like not to be an asshole but like it sounds similar to PyCoin. like <laughs> and i'm just wondering like what like for me all of like this stuff is like for crypto and nft i mentioned this last week or two weeks ago you know i, I look at like the cultural significance of it because i feel like it's like cultural emotional stuff that is like drove like driven this right so it's like what buzz do they have on social so, media? Like, what if, like, they... No, I don't really look at those because I guess you can trade on hype, but then that's to make money, I guess. Well, obviously, this is to make money, too. But uh, I guess with Pi, like, for example, a no imagine a node like a generator to generate electricity sure. for business, right? So a node for Pi coin only will can run for Pi coin. It can only support PyCoin. A strong node. So what they're doing is they're buying a node, and then that node can be provided to any, uh, any ERC twenty token, which is anything on the Ethereum system. Ah, uh, okay. Like now, now you're talking. And all of anything, anything on Ethereum, yeah. including Ethereum. So okay. if Ethereum is doing an NFT launch, like a project like Galactic Punk, and they're like, "Hey, we want some nodes on our project," I think that's how it works. And then they're like, uh, Strong, I will pay you $10,000. And then Strong's like, okay. And they take that cut and they give some of that cut to the people that are buying these nodes because what you're doing is you are giving Strong like uh, capital to run these nodes. But run a node. And then, so like they're running the node, but like in a sense, you own it. Yes. But okay, if you don't pay the then... fee, then you lose your node. You lose it. <laughs> you, get your, you get your node repoed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently so. After yeah. three months, if you don't pay your fee, then, yeah, then your maintenance fee, uh, they take it back. Damn. Um, no, you that, can't just invest $10 into this. You have to make it worthwhile so that you at least cover your maintenance fee. Yes, and also the cost is really high. To buy one node, you need 10 strong. Mm -hmm. How much is a strong? We haven't even asked. Right now, a strong is $1,100. Oh, wow. Uh, you need fucking $11,000. Yeah, you need around eleven k, and you need some Ethereum to transfer and, and trade. And mm -hmm. 
Well, you would need around 12-ish. And you're into this right now? I am into this right now. Do we got money over here? Look. I got in around <laughs> 6, though. I got in around 600. Okay. For one of it. And I got, I'm like, oh, this project is doing so well. So I got in again for a second note at 800. And then it kept going up. So I'm like, it seems like, you know, as long as they keep so the then you're, you're not, you're up then, right? I'm not I'm, up because I'm, technically I spent 20 strong and I haven't okay. got 20 strong back. But in 100 right, days, right. In then I would theory, make it though, if, yeah. if the price stays where it's at or keeps going, when you do get your strong, you'll be up. Correct. Hell yeah. Yeah, okay. but if... Uh, because they're paying 0.1 right now, they could slash it at any time. They could slash it, yeah. Yeah, but uh, usually they slash it when there's a big price upward movement. That's mm-hmm. what happened in the past, is from my research, I guess. Hmm. But so far, looking pretty good. Dude, you just you mystified me, bro. I don't know how you find this stuff or like it gets on your radar. Like, it's just it's just magic to me. I mean, it's all about cash flow. I might just look at like all the like cash flow videos. Because imagine, right, if after I pay off my costs, which is like fifteen, sixteen K ish, uh I would make zero point two strong a day. Right? Mm-hmm. How much is zero point two? Well, depend on the price of the strong token at the moment. And I have to sell it. Sell thousand, it would cost no. money too. Point two at a thousand eleven. So it was like two hundred ish. Two twenty, yeah, two twenty. So that would be pretty good. So wait, okay, that was not a straightforward answer. How did you learn about this? Cash flow videos. Yeah, cash flow videos. YouTube cash flow videos with who? Like I just googled that. The first one that comes up is cash flow game with Robert Kiyosaki, the rich dad guy. Rich dad, poor dad. No, I I mean I just. Watch so much crypto video, it just kind of appear on my homepage, and I'm just learning about it. Sure. So you just you just on all the fucking the bootstrap like to the to the ground yeah. YouTube videos. YouTube is such a freaking amazing. I mean, it is rank. Wait, what rank is this? Hold on, it's ranked two hundred something on Coin Market Cap, the token. So the market okay. cap small, but not too small. Like oh three hundred three hundred thirty two, and I don't remember if you guys heard about it, but from the chat from in Slack we have, uh, Antonio mentioned Hathor. Hathor coin, yeah. Yeah. So since he mentioned it, it went up quite a bit as well. But I don't know the utility. I know it's you can make crypto, like you can create your own crypto project with it. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy 1K worth of Hathor because he is all in. So I'm like, if another person is all into something, I assume he done his research and he said that he knows some people in there working on the project. So, you know, put a decent amount in just to see where it goes. Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to freaking, I don't have money like you guys. I don't have a thousand dollars. But no, that's pretty cool. I mean, most of these gains are all from these type of projects or cash flow projects for me because I don't want to do too much risk stuff, I guess. Too much mm-hmm. speculation. 
unless I feel like, oh, I know it's going to hit, you know, a certain amount, like how I said about BTC and, but we'll see, I guess, you know, it haven't happened, it haven't happened yet. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, should we move on to the last segment? The we're education? Running. Yeah, we're running yeah. along. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, so for this week, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite indicators, and it is RSI. Um, it's the Relative Strength Index. Usually it tracks the past 14 days of trading. And what it will show you is if a stock is being oversold or undersold. And so if you have a stock that is um, has a low RSI, like if it's below 30, then that means it's being oversold. Um, too many people are selling the stocks. And it's usually you're able to tell that there will be an upswing in kind of the price of the stock as it's not being oversold anymore. And if it's above 70, then that means the stock is being overbought. And, you know, the stock price should go down. It will show you if a stock price is going to go through a correction. Um, so it's really helpful for me when I look at a stock, if I see a big trend in something, like if I see a stock price go down a lot, and I see that it was just recently being overbought, you know, I'll try and, use that as a good point to figure out if there's a good entry for me to go into that stock because I go, Oh, it was being overbought and now it's being oversold. It should be somewhere in the middle and I can make money off of that. Um, but yeah, I, I love RSI. Is there a number for RSI as in, is that the one where it said like over 80 or something then it's overbought or something? Am I right? Or Yeah. Yeah. So it's a range. So it's out of a hundred. So if you had a stock that was anything, um, some people use 70, some people use 80 to determine. Um, but yeah, I usually do 70. And okay. um, yeah, so if it's over 70, then, you know, it's, it's being overbought in or at least trending that way. And if it's under 30, then that means it's being oversold. And then there's some stocks where this does not work at all. Like Tesla is always over <laughs> It's almost never undersold, um, very rarely. So Tesla, you, and same with Netflix too, you kind of just have to like look at the past history of it. Um, yeah, some just stocks have those... a different fundamental, so it can be applied to chart or something. Yeah, like yeah. Um, but I use it a lot for like when I see random stocks that make a big jump, I try and use it to it quickly gives me the feel of the stock, right? Like I, like just earlier today, I was looking at Zynga because I saw it had a big drop off and I'm like, why did it have a big drop off? And I checked mm. the RSI on it and I saw that it was overbought and now it's undersold and now it's slightly hitting back up into that medium range. Um, you know, which for me, you know, I think Zynga should probably be closer to around that $8 mark instead of the, 7.30 that was at. Um, and I'm basing that mostly off of the RSI. And then, of course, I'll check other technical indicators to confirm my kind of hypothesis and then possibly execute a trade. 
So RSI is one of the first indicators I use when I'm looking at a, a new stock, especially a stock that I don't know a lot about. Um, you know, because I trade usually like most of the money I make in the stock market is from Tesla, Netflix, Google, Alibaba, you know, my frequent flyers. Um, but then I also, you know, do some diversification, of course. And sometimes I just don't see a good move with those other stocks. So I'm looking for another stock to kind of add to my list of frequent flyers. And um, yeah, always, always check the RSI. It's so easy to use and so easy to just check and it can give you a lot of information because if you see a stock you don't know a lot about and you see it going up and it's extremely over and you don't see any other indicators or any other like reasoning for that um, to keep going, then that's a red flag. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to go into an overbought in stock and then you buy it and then you're the one caught holding the bag. And what if it's at zero ish? Is that that's just neutral, right? You, you... Zero? Yeah. Because it can um, go negative, right? No, it can't go negative. Zero would be undersold. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. or oversold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that it's like a positive one hundred and negative one hundred. No, no, it's just zero to a hundred. Oh, okay. So fifty is the baseline. Yeah. So if it's just hovering around like forty to sixty, which some stocks do, um, that's good for then, uh, wheeling, I guess. Yeah. Selling. Production. No, yeah, I, I I use it in my trading. I just keep it on the chart and uh, just use it as like a check, uh, you know, checkpoint. And if sometimes you know a stock will look like uh, it could, it, it, it's like on a, like on a daily time frame, you know, like it's like on a five ten minute dip, maybe touching view off for EMA, but then I'll see it still like super overbought on our so. mm -hmm. I won't touch it, and then we keep going down. But yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, like the indicators are good. Um, Good question. We can cut this out if the answer is no. Um, does Stockwise have an RSI indicator? Yeah, we have RSI yeah. uh, in in our in our alert system, so you could set an alert to, based off the RSI. Yes. We need to get some more, and we need to. Oh, I was expecting somebody to plug <laughs> Stockwise, <laughs> like right there. Uh, yes, of course. Stockwise, you know, Stockwise, you can, you know, set alert for your RSI. So if you think a stock is, you know, you want to go into it right when it's undersold, you can set your Stockwise alert for that, and that way you won't miss your perfect opportunity to get into a stock that you've been eyeballing. Is there a way where you can put a bot to do that for you too, or? Um, there are some ways to do it. You know, of course, like bot trading. Um, that's just a whole nother Hello trading. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Have a bot just buy when RSI is low and then sell it when it's high-ish. You know, that strategy probably would be like. I, I would assume if you just base the strategy off of RSI and like a few it certain stocks, you would probably at least break even. <laughs> um, because, of course, you know, you can't just trust yeah. one indicator for 
your whole trading strategy. You're gonna pay a lot that of tax is, though. Most, for sure. Yeah, oh, that that's the most basic, right? Like idea of algo trading, just like different indicators hitting certain times. Like my understanding of algo trading, like intense level is like there's like algos that like I don't really understand. But supposedly they hunt people's stop losses, like. They're playing off of like they're they're like targeting retail traders money more or less, and there's like patterns that retail traders um do in their trading, and like there's like these algorithms that will like like you know hunt them out and like you know affect the like manipulate the stock to like this is kind of getting I guess conspiracy, <laughs> but you know like it'll just like. I don't know. Think of the the robot in Squid Game for <laughs> the algo trader. The robot from Squid Game, the red red light, green light. The red light, green light lady just fucking hunting down <laughs> all of these. When but yeah, uh, I mean, in, in over if you, if you have then a it's strategy, red light. <laughs> right, if you have a strategy. And if you move, you die, just like in the game. <laughs> you make a bad trade, you die. Uh, thank you for listening. And if you like the content that we do on the show and want to see the other things we are working on, you can follow us at Ophelia Tech on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, Friendster, you know, all the major ones. And you can also follow us at Stockwise App on Twitter. And go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. We come out with content throughout the week that just alerts you on stuff that we're thinking about. And please make sure to subscribe and comment about our podcast. Let us know what you think um, on any of your preferred podcast platform. That works. That's solid. All right. (laughs) No, uh... very juicy.